you know, wide open space. Yeah. But it was like, I don't know what it was. There was something that just kept poking the sides of my tent, like from all angles. It was really weird. I think, I think what would happen was a lot of people would pinch their tents thinking they had enough room, but a lot of their height <laughs> was actually in their legs. They didn't, they didn't like, they didn't, what's the word? They didn't compensate for this. And so their, their legs kept like poking the side of my tent and I just, I don't know, I just couldn't get any sleep. So it was a, it was a good weekend, but I was, I was exhausted by the end of it. Oh my god, I'm crying. <laughs> no, I really hate both of you. <laughs> <laughs> Did you actually hear that, Jay? I didn't know if you were here. I heard all of it. <laughs> I fucking hate both of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm literally crying. <laughs> Uh, Why did you say it, Jamie? Why did you say it? Welcome to episode 7 of Dumb the Magic Able. Today we're going to be talking all about education. I'm here with Casey. Hello. And Jack. Hey. Let's get into it. Um, Jack, would you like to start with uh, with your question? Yeah, okay, I'll start with my one. Um, as Casey's so just let us all down here. He's ill prepared. And uh, he didn't even know it was on today. I'm so sorry. I just forgot. I didn't even realise it was Monday. <laughs> Literally, you have nothing bad to be doing, and this is important. And you should. I'm disappointed. I made it, Jack. Yeah, right. You barely. You were 20 minutes late, and I had to tell you to come online. <laughs> you, I went on Facebook, and you just started talking to me like we were friends, and uh, that's that slipped. Now I'm disappointed in you. Jack's disappointed in you. I, I was think, so disappointed in you. I think you're disappointed in yourself. But, um, okay, well, we've, we've tied him off now, so we'll say no more about it. No. Well, you probably will, but... I'll probably... I'll, I'll have a go in later. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Okay, so my question was, um, if you could have anyone as your teacher, who would it be? Um, so do you guys remember from about year 10 onwards when we got the new deputy head? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to use the name, but you know who I mean. And she basically, she had all these great new initiatives that, you know, they were good in theory, but basically everyone just hated them because they just didn't work in practice. Yeah. And um, so me and Jamie had this kind of old school electronics teacher who basically had this tiny little office and um, he'd, sit in, he'd sit there and just like get completely off his face on soldering fumes. Um, but he was like really old school, and really brilliant at electronics. And that was all he cared about. And he just really hated the senior staff. And um, he just like refused to like take part in any of these new ideas. So I'd, I'd model, I wanted a teacher who was like that, just someone really old school and just someone really bitter and resistant to change. So I think I'd want the Duke of Edinburgh. Because <laughs> I mean, for one thing, he'd have all these really great stories and he'd have his own just, really bitter perspective on royal affairs mm-hmm. and I can just imagine him like sitting there complaining about all these young folk and their shit ideas and I think I think for comedic value I'd have him teach RE because <laughs> I mean <laughs> it's like it's well publicised that the Duke is uh, somewhat racist and I think I think it would be brilliant for him just, just really crankily going on about towel heads and those like tight Jewish folk <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think the Duke of Edinburgh would have to be mine that's pretty good. I like that. Yeah, I think he'd, he'd struggled to learn a lot of it himself, so I think he'd have to like wing it, and you'd end up yeah. just learning lies as well. Well, what I'd imagine is he'd like have one of these new, really brightly coloured textbooks, and he'd just be flicking through it, just been like, oh, for fuck's sake, I'm teaching this. <laughs> and he'd just like chuck it out the window, and be like, right, <laughs> Zari, my style, this is what I've learned. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. I, I was kind of struggling with this question, but I thought that, um, uh, as you both know, I ride motorbikes and I spend a lot of time talking about it, um, much to the um, lack of interest to most people who don't ride, pretty much. Um, but if I get anyone as my teacher, it would be uh, Randy Dupunier, who's a MotoGP rider, and he's just French and stupid. But he's really, really, really quick. <laughs> Basically, you watch a race, there's like a four-part crash compilation of his on YouTube. Um, 
that's how much he crashes. That's who I want teaching me. Because um, he'll, he'll, he'll go into a corner. He's never like anywhere near top of the pack. He's like bottom probably five in every race. He's just, he always crashes. Um, uh, but what he'll do is he'll go into a corner far too fast and he'll break far too late and he'll crash. And anyone who had any normal style would go, right, I obviously, obviously braked way too late there. If I break a bit earlier, I can carry my speed, la la la, I can go around it, I won't crash. Randy will have the opposite opinion. If he breaks 10 metres too late, he'll crash, get back on another bike, and then <laughs> break five metres later than he did the first time. <laughs> just to um, just to see if he can. And quite often he'll actually get quicker. And he's, he's remarkably fast, but he's just not consistent. And that's what I want teaching me, because if I could kind of gleam some of that, I could become much, much faster. As, what do um, you need to do with people like that? Actually, go on, finish, finish your story, sorry. When I was in, there's a, a training school, um, and they had an exercise. They've changed it slightly now for fairly significant legal reasons, but um, what they do is you'd get there on, on your bikes or rented bikes or whatever, and uh, they'd send you around, and after a while they'd do an exercise um, where they said you're not allowed to break. So obviously you're not going to be going anywhere as fast, but the idea is to um, make you have a constant speed, have a better uh, idea of gears and... Be, be smoother because if you don't have brakes you have to plan everything ahead so it makes you think harder. Yeah. and then um, what they do is they send you out on these right shit bikes but they didn't have brakes they completely right. disconnected them so they'd go right go out on the track go as fast as you can without brakes um, but obviously for legal reasons they've changed that so now you go out with brakes you're just not supposed to use them <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, that makes people a lot quicker if you don't give them breaks strangely you know what I think I mean obviously he's not very famous but a great teacher would be Danger Dave <laughs> <laughs> I took um, uh, when you do your bike test the first test you do is a CBT and I was doing my CBTs really basic stuff you spend a few hours in a car park going around cones and then you go out on the road and after that you either pass or fail. But they say you don't pass or fail, you just you haven't completed it, is the very PC way of saying it. And I had a bloke on my course called Charles and um, he's been renamed Danger Dave, I found out when I went back for some more lessons. Because uh, he got let out on the road on a 50cc automatic scooter and he was taking racing lines around corners. <laughs> <laughs> Not even, not even like cutting the corner, not starting wide and going right close to the bend. He'd get on the other side of the road and and plow into a blind bend, just cut it completely, and just swing straight over the other side, not losing like a second of speed. You can't, yes, you can't, you can't lose that time. You know, no, no, it's important. Good places to go. That's just the most ludicrous thing in the world. You know, you're being assessed. There's like an examiner behind you on the mic, and just like right, wrong side of the road, pin it and hope. Yeah. So <laughs> 18 year old chap he just said no yeah, that was he didn't have to get anywhere but he just loved just throwing his bike into these corners at like 20 miles an hour oh it's scary man because I just know I'm on a much bigger bike now and I'm pretty convinced I've so seen him he's only on like a little ped still I'm pretty sure he'd still have me everywhere <laughs> <laughs> it's just complete enough right. of faith that he'll be alright basically like 20 years he'll be the next um Ranny de Punier. Yeah, he'll be crashing, but he'll be fucking quick. He'll be so fast when I'm gone. It would be absolutely fantastic. Oh, I, I laughed so much when you first told me that story. Just da- Danger Dave is such an amazing like nickname. It is a brewery. You good know, you just like every year there's one kid that's Danger Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the thing though. It's like the CBT is so easy. I really don't know. Like. If you go out on the road and they, they say you haven't passed because you obviously haven't been safe enough on your own, Danger Dave, that's what Danger Dave got. He obviously wasn't safe enough. He was never going to be safe enough. But the worst thing is is that people actually are so bad in a car park that they won't even let you out on the road. It's such a low moment, that must be. Uh, I remember, I actually, it's obviously the lower down version, but when you're like 10 or 11, you have to do cycling proficiency. Yeah, yeah. And I remember the first time I did it at school, I actually failed my cycling proficiency. I got like, it was ridiculous because it was, you'd go up a road for like, I don't know, 50 meters, stop, look left, look right, turn left, and then you'd have to stop, get off your bike, push it to the other side of the road, get back on it and go about the same way. So I think overall you did about 200 meters and it took a couple of minutes, but I managed to get like six majors. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, I failed the first time, and so I had to do it again over the summer holidays. And uh, there were these two guys from Avon Valley or something like that, and um, 
basically they went along for the first day and like they had the cycling everything and everything went fine but on the way home they just messed around in the road and they're just like weaving all over ashton road which is like a like an a road basically just weaving through all the lines of traffic so it's ridiculous because the instructors just like watched them do it and they're like yeah we're gonna have to fail you <laughs> <laughs> but like no one cares about cycling proficiency it's not like they're gonna pull you over and if you don't have your bicycle license (laughs) (laughs) it's completely pointless six majors on a cycling proficiency test it's just it's quite pathetic did you pass your driving test first time Casey? yeah yeah i didn't yeah and my cycle proficiency test i never took my cycle proficiency which would explain quite a lot of things but it um, would it really would (laughs) (laughs) you think i'm dangerous on a motorbike on a bicycle you do so much more damage Um, i just really hated holding the handlebars yeah, I do like running no handers. It's, it's an old favourite. My um, wouldn't lose any speed. <laughs> no, just kept straight over the pavement, straight over every junction, easy. Because no one wants to hit a cyclist, do they? Because they might right. get done. So you just you play with that, just keep going. My driving test went a lot worse. I failed in four minutes. I got up to a roundabout, and uh, I I don't know what happened, but somehow my brain decided that roundabouts there was no such rule as give way from the right. And just this transit van coming, and I just like put the foot down. The instructor actually absolutely shit himself, slammed on the uh, dual controls, and pulled me over. And they said, um, "You've got two options now. You can either uh, carry on with the test route just for practice, or um, I can go back to the test centre and I'll get your instructor." Um, so whatever you want to do, I was like, "Well, I've already proved that I'm dangerous. <laughs> so it's probably best if you wander back to the test centre." Which at this point, after the driving had done, was like 25 minute walk away there and back. Uh, my instructor was not very pleased, so I gave up on it. <laughs> now I ride a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot safer. Oh, it's way safer. What about uh, what about you, Casey? Who would you have as a teacher? I think I'd have Stephen Fry as a teacher. Mm. I think he's got like a lot to teach, and he's got he's. I like his style, you know. I think he. I think he did impress upon you the information really well because he'd tell it really well and I'd also love to see him having a go at the other kids in the class who were being naughty and shit, shit. I think he'd I think he'd have some wonderful insults he would, he just, he just crushed him <laughs> demolishing 12 year old Stephen Fry not the big man <laughs> yeah even if we're not to fall asleep in his class though because he's got such a kind of kind of such a wonderful tone you just be like I can just go to sleep to this I don't think I'd learn anything. <laughs> I'd be really relaxed, but I don't think I'd learn anything. It's a good point, like the last one, because there are, when you're in um, a class, there are really cocky kids, especially at our school, which is like a grammar school, when there was there were kids that were bright, like but they just mess around. And so they were pretty cocky, yeah. and always like, talking back to the teachers. And I think a lot of the time, the teachers weren't actually as clever as the students. Mm. But I think um, if you just had a guy that could just put down, it would just like crush all rebellion with one like witty remark. And they'd be a lot more respected after that point, I think, as well. Yeah, I think so. That's a good, that's a good one. Yeah. Do, you think, do you think he'd have a problem like dumbing himself down so students can understand it, though? I don't think so, because if you think about it, when he's on QI, he, he's quite good at explaining it in understandable terms oh yeah so I suppose that's true it's quite accessible yeah yes, I think he'd get I think he'd be one of the people who'd be angry at the system and would be quite old school yeah I think so well, he was I don't, really I don't think really he'd to... be impatient at all I think he'd be a very patient teacher yeah 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 I I so. he should do that I'm sure there'll be a TV program in the next few years where he ends up teaching in a primary school or secondary school or something in a city <laughs> he is always on TV <laughs> he is yeah it's alright because we can't like him um uh, my question was if you could teach one thing to school kids that was uh, wrong what would it be and why I really, I'm really not sure I want to hear this from you Jamie <laughs> no it's, it's, it's alright this week it's not it's not brilliant but did you turn, um, did you turn it down the whole darkness it got, it got real bad <laughs> it was quite quite grim with fiction no it's only, <laughs> it, when, when I said wrong I, uh, I thought I could, I could I could just teach them a lie but I didn't think I, I just did something that was like considered morally wrong in like uh, western society um mm-hmm. Basically, the the modern system we find in our schools or America or Europe is that it's like it's okay as long as it's the taking part that counts. Um, 
which which I respect, but equally I kind of disagree with. So you want to create a class of go-getters. So it's, it's an idea I actually coined a few a while by Jack, which is um, it's the winner's chair. Oh yeah. And uh, what this is, is is you have the regular school chairs, which are usually pretty uncomfy, but then you have one plush leather chair with armrests and like it's swivel, it's got wheels. It is you spent like two hundred and fifty quid on this chair, you've invested in it, and then. Um, it's reserved for people who do best and who assess best. So if you've got like a class of like nine or ten year olds, so kind of year four, year five, they're impressionable. So most of them want to do well. Um, they're motivated by things that you tell them that they want, and they're not really sure why, but they just know they want them. So they'll want the chair at first because obviously it's comfy. But after a while, the chair will just become a device. It won't, it won't be important. The kid won't care about the chair. They'll just care that they have it and no one else does. Yeah. Um, I mean, eventually, you could just replace the chair with, like, a shitty lollipop and they still want it. Exactly, anything. It could be anything. It's just a symbol of, of them being better than the other people in their class. Now, I admit that the reason the whole taking part the important thing is there is, is to help out people who, are, um, who, first of all, frankly, don't try or who aren't as intelligent. But I think you've got to, like, you've got to separate the wheat from the chaff. So there'll be a three or four, like, criers in the class who don't enjoy being in school because they're constantly beaten. Uh, but that's fine fuck them um, and then you've got the middle of the range pack who are probably they're, they're going to get the chair maybe once or twice a month top but they'll still do pretty good and then you've got the real like the three or four who are left who really just they're awesome at everything because they just try so hard at it and they just they just want to beat people um, so this is probably only last a year because there'll be a lot of parental concerns I think over the entire system but of that one year, I guarantee if you like track those three or four kids, they they'd go on to do great things. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I think, is um, sorry, because um, I think what you could also do is rather than having like a winner's chair, you should have like the shit chair, which is like just you know some really nasty narrow bits of wood like, with like yeah. a few rusty nails in the back. <laughs> and like the worst kid has to sit on that chair. <laughs> Be ridiculed by his classmates. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, from inception, they say that you know. Positive reinforcement was it? Positive reinforcement provides better catharsis than like negative emotion. Yes. It is. But I think if you have to sit on a rusty chair with everyone laughing at you, you're going to try harder. Or, or you'll be one of the three or four who's a crier. But yeah, after yeah. that, as soon as you see that kid, just like give up. You just ignore him. He's not worth teaching yeah. anymore because you've broken him. Just um, kick him out of school. Just... Yeah. But the the, the thing, uh, quite a lot of the um, make it from little to big stories are where kids have had rough backgrounds. Um, but they found solace and uh, comfort in school because it's a more safe environment for them. Um, so there's, there's another twist on the winner's chair where you make like school life just as hellish as home life. Um, oh, and so the kid, they hate school and they hate home, but they're going to get through school because it will be a way of escaping both. <laughs> so you'll, 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 there'll be a class of kids who have no interest in university because it's an academic institution which represents everything they've hated for years. So they'll go on to do brewing things without having any qualifications. Those those are the entrepreneurs you want, people who have no interest yeah. in like home or school. But you create that by making school awful for them. So that's. I mean, I thought that's just a really good idea. Because I mean, I yeah, I remember, I can't remember when I started telling you about the winner's chair. It's a good few years ago. But I have actually, I've actually had a few more thoughts on it since then. Hmm. So one is that I think the winner's chair doesn't go far enough. And what you actually need to do is you need to provide deliberate and obvious segregation so you have the top four I mean, the chair is good but like you have the top five in every year and they just get like insane privileges yeah so like you spend you like have a school budget and you say like okay 90 percent of the kids get like i don't know 10 percent of the budget 10 mm. percent of the kids get 90 percent of the budget so they have like steaks for lunch and just like personal trainers you got people like massaging them while they're having lessons and then to have that for one month and it's just like the motivation to stay up there so you don't have to like because imagine if you actually lose your spot the kids in the in the 90% are just going to beat the hell out of you for just rubbing it in for a month yeah that's also goes so along with the desperation just to get that spot it's just going to be insane it goes along with like uh, up to a certain point up to a certain age the um, the method of motivation there's like obviously various motivational theories but the one that sticks with kids and uh, teenagers is Taylorite and that's where you motivate um, uh, people with money which is pretty much the same thing except you're just using incentives they're not the kids aren't necessarily worried about kind of um, 
uh, achieving their own goals because they probably haven't got any when they're eight, but yeah. they'd like a bag of sweets. So you just it, it, it's essentially just bribing people to be brewing um, mm. and just creating like a proper regime of awesomeness, and then everyone else either has to catch up or they just quit. But money's money's not good enough because it's not obvious and out there. You just need to really just rub it in the shit kid's face. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's what it's about. So yeah, so, yeah that's. I'm a little into this. <laughs> Do you not like it, Casey? <laughs> I'm just a little concerned, to be honest. Why? Because <laughs> it seems like some sort of sick social experiment. <laughs> well, it kind of is, but equally, you'll get three or four people who are going to be like prime minister and stuff. So I think it's, it's not an experiment. Don't know that though, do you? I do know that because I've decided, and I've written some stuff in a uh, a word text program that says that's what will happen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> would you, Casey? Where do you think if if you were in a class and you're you're eight or nine years old and there's a windows chair and there's steak, what do you think you work for it, or do you think you you fall by the wayside? And fail miserably. No, I've I've always been the sort of person that ha- if I want to do it, I will do it. And if if but if you try and if there's like an incentive, I'm not necessarily gonna go for the incentive. Are you sure? Everyone no, else is laughing so at you. You're crying in the corner. Why am I crying in the corner? Because you're not doing well. Casey, you're not doing well enough. You're sitting on a I'm shitty doing, chair. I'm doing well enough. No, you're not. You're not doing well a shit enough. Shit about the winner's chair. It's not just a winner's chair, Casey. There's it's like what it represents. Cakes, there's steak. There's... Yeah, but I have packed lunch, mate. All right, what do you want, Casey? You're eight years old. What did you want when you were eight? Um, did I want sex? Huh? I'm, I'm guessing I'll probably wanted sex. Well, you can, we'll give you that. I don't think I can... Pro- no, Joe, I think that's a step too far. I don't think we can provide sex to people in primary school just to make them better education. That's a step too <laughs> just, far. You're not committed to it. No, I'm you're not. Sick. You're sick. I'm sorry for depriving no, your like eight-year-old person in the past of having free sex. <laughs> in this fictional bit of I probably wanted a ferret aged eight. The fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> when you're a normal child who just like wants a football or like a bicycle, you want to fuck and have a ferret and you're eight. <laughs> All right, Casey. Uh, hypothetically speaking, I can provide you with sex and as many mustelids as you require. Do you or do you not? Thank you. Do you or do not work hard and become top of the class? Yes or no? Yeah, I would work hard. But the thing is, all these, the incentives at at middle school, because there were incentives at middle school, I I just found them patronising and I didn't want to go for them. Um, And the problem is, you're too clever. I would find the winner's chair patronising as well. You're too clever, that's the problem. What we need to do is, we we need the other system. We need to make your school life hell. And we need to try and find a way of making your home life hell, and then you'll escape them both. No, I think if the problem with current incentives in middle school is just they're not a bigger differentiator from kids that don't get them. Mm. Like, so you got a star, well done. Like, you can still play with us. Yes. But you just want you just want to create an elite, hyper privileged group. That's all you need. Definitely. And it's about the smaller the better, really. I mean, like, well, I think one kid is too small, but it's like five kids out of like a class of thirty, about five kids. Oh right. Maybe okay. maybe even four. I think five works as a better number because then you've got a decent set of hierarchies within them because there is number one and there is number five, and number five is obviously not as good as number one. So it creates yeah. creates like an interdivisional. Rivalry. Yeah, it's like it's like competition between the the elite. Yeah, that's good. I think yeah. I don't know. I haven't done the maths on it. So. I think that's, I probably, I probably that, that, that would be what I would teach the children. I'd teach them just to be better. That's really uh, good. I like it. Cheers, man. How about you, Casey? What would I teach kids? Yeah. You don't seem very happy with my idea, so this better be yeah. good. I just, I, I went with something ridiculous. <laughs> I, feel, I feel a little bit stupid after what you just said. The thing is, I just got a bit angry and I, I took it. A, I think maybe that's just because it's so contrasting to most of my answers. I actually took the time to try and make people better. What did you go with? Well, uh, hold on. Jim, you haven't made people better. You've made five people better and you've destroyed yeah, you the rest life. of the time. All right, okay. I put it to you. Would you have 30 mediocre people five and f- or five brilliant people and like 15 mediocre people yeah. and five absolutely useless human beings? The thing is, like everyone else, they get better as a result just from trying to get there. I mean, they probably never make it, but then they have like a massive um, inferiority complex. But yeah, that's not. You, they can deal with that when they're not being taught. That's, yeah, they've earned enough money to buy therapy. You know, I like it. 
I think it's, I think I think it's the future. Awesome. Right, Casey. <laughs> I I I feel a bit stupid now, but I I thought I'd go I'd go with them that if 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 you plant Cheerios, then you get a donut tree. I want to see how many kids yes. plant Cheerios. I thought I thought we were going for something nice and. Has experience taught you nothing, Casey? <laughs> you just shot me down with your <laughs> with your utopian society like nineteen eighty four shit. <laughs> I do what I can. What happens when you turn up on time? That's <laughs> <laughs> what you get. You've got to prepare yourself. Oh, come on, let's let's give him a tube. Expand. <laughs> I just wanted to see how many kids would plant Cheerios. And for how long for? <laughs> That's my question. I it's... would hope that they would do it forever. And I think it would it would you know the uh it was a thing off QI actually. It was um someone from the twelfth or the fourteenth century. And basically if you work out how many people are alive today, um more people are alive today than have ever lived and therefore everyone is technically related to this one bloke. Is um, that true? Yeah. Um, no, that comes. Um, you lie. No, I don't lie. It's just, it's just that really... can't be true. What is? Why are you? Having? I thought I thought they tracked it down to seven women. I don't know. Yeah. They went to. I don't know. They went to one guy because that just seems. Yeah. Mm. It, it makes it. They did, they did the matter. I'm not lying. That's not the debate that we point you should be debating. The point I'm saying is that through that that would be passed on if everyone believed it it would be the whole thing Some a lot of people salute magpies I, I was never taught I that do. I know you do um, but I, I think never, I do as well I was never taught that so I, I never did it um, I never do but the whole thing with Cheerios if you get 30 people in a class how quickly would that spread so that everyone was planting Cheerios oh yeah and then if everyone was planting Cheerios it would become true and they'd start growing donuts in fairness, it's like one of those things where... So, you know, you do we do experiments at school. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of the time, because you're at, I was at a pretty bad school, like, the experiment didn't work. But I just kind of assumed the thing was true. So I'm wondering if, like, whenever I failed an experiment, it's just because the experiment was never going to work. They're just mm. trying to convince me it's true. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I've been... Well, I think as maybe, a, as, maybe as a don't teacher at the school, you would have to enforce the lie, so you would, you would get them to plant... Cheerios and, yeah. and you create donut trees. And if it didn't work, you'd be like, oh, we just didn't water yeah. it. I love the idea of like uh, a teacher coming straight out of university, like into a primary school. Like, have you got all your lesson plans for the next two weeks? Like, yes, I do. <laughs> First, we're going to be starting off with some comprehension, followed by some basic arithmetic, and then we're all going to go out into the field and plant cereal. <laughs> Solid teaching. Right? I think if you follow up the lie with a, with the truth, like there were actually donut trees in that spot. Like even if the teacher put there, then kids, the kids would actually believe it. And I think I think kids find like stuff quite hard to start disbelieving until very late on in their lives. Yes, yeah. definitely. Look at religion, really. Mm, yeah. If you're taught, if you're taught um, from Sunday school, if you're taught, you know, about that God, then you just you kind of just follow it unquestioningly yeah so that thing is um, follow it blindly I followed the thought blindly that um, David Blunkett's dog was in Parliament <laughs> I forgot about that when I was a little kid yeah, I was just like on the news saw the dog I just thought well then they must be filming the dog for a reason didn't compute he might be blind just like well, there's a dog in Parliament and I believed that until I was like 14 until I had to like take a step back and go wait a minute <laughs> I, in, in a similar vein I, I was very old before I found out that wrestling wasn't real. I think most people were. No, but I, 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 no, I was ridiculously old. Like, I was ridiculed, ridiculed because <laughs> I think I was about 16 or 17. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> that's fantastic. Actually, that's a good point. If you, okay, say we're all parents. Right now we're parents. We're in our, we're in our 30s. Your kid, you you obviously for the first few years, Santa's come, he's bought presents. Do you tell your kid that Santa doesn't exist or do you let them continue to believe it? So you either make them one or two children at school. Do you make them yeah. the kid that ruins it for every other child or do you make you know, them the kid that has it ruined for them? Well, I think 
you never want your kid to cry at school. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, you never, if you're the kid that tells everyone that Sandra isn't real, nothing actually bad happens to your kid. I mean, the other parents might be a bit mad at you. I think that's but, pretty much the point bullying starts, though, to be honest. Yeah, but it's like, it's not... It's like you don't hear about that kid suddenly, like, is really unpopular. True, true. I mean, to be honest, like, I think I mentioned it in an earlier episode. I don't care if my kid is popular or not. I just, like, I guess I'm not going to let my kid play sport, but I just really don't, I don't care about it. But I think, I think I'd definitely tell him early. What kind of age? It's a, it's a risky one, isn't it? Because, I mean, if they, if you tell them and then, you know, they decide not to tell anyone and they, you just destroyed that kid for no reason. I think if you tell them in the summer, they'd be okay with it. Yeah, I think so. Don't they wouldn't be really excited about it. They wouldn't care. And yeah, and they get over it because they wouldn't even be in school. So yeah, just, just tell your kid in the summer of their fourth birthday. It's interesting. I like it. I, I don't like think it. I'd ever tell my kid that Santa bought them presents. No, I wouldn't either. I'd let him have it ruined um, by another child. Definitely. Well, this Santa thing is going to be ridiculous anyway. It's quite nice. It's quite. It's, it's quite like I've, I've like worked my ass off all year to buy you like a Lego pirate ship, and you just fanging some like fat guy in a suit. It's like it was me that did it. You ungrateful little brat. <laughs> You're really bitter about your imaginary children already. Going <laughs> yeah. to enjoy you as a parent. <laughs> um, good... What would you teach in school, Jeff? Oh, okay. So I like quite like maths and science, so I'm going to leave those alone. I should do like a different angle. I wouldn't. Try and like destroy kids, or um, I'm not going to talk about cases. <laughs> but um, I decided to mess with English language or literature, whatever you call it. Yeah. And I think the thing that bothers me most is essay, write, essay writing. So you have students up and down the country; they're being taught how to read a great story or a script or um, a poem, and then they try they break it down and analyze it and produce a concise logical report on it. Yes. And I think that's possibly the most boring and ridiculous exercise of all time. Yeah. I mean, the reason people write stories is for them to be, you know, to enjoy or to create emotions or whatever it is in, in the mind of the reader. They don't, like, write them so can they, they can be deconstructed. So I think I wouldn't teach SE writing or I wouldn't, I pretty much just wouldn't teach English. I just give children these, like, um, great works of literature and just, just let them read it. I wouldn't ask for any assignments, just read the book. I like it. How do you know they've read the book? If they don't, then they turn out stupid, don't they? (laughs) That was a great thing, actually. Me as a kid, right? I think I was in year three or four, and we we were assigned to read The Railway Children. And it was, uh, I think that was was probably the first point in which I... um, I took like a stand and decided I didn't care about certain parts of school that I thought were ridiculous. Like when I was like seven, I decided that that reading reading these books to answer shit questions on a book I don't care about was pointless. And uh, for months, I avoided reading the Railway Children. I took an exam on it and I, I did all right in it. And I was just like, I've made it, I've made it, I've made the life stick. And I kept this life for ages. And I think I only like managed to tell. I, I don't know what came with conversation, but I, I plucked up the courage, right, to tell my mum that I hadn't read the the Railway Children that, that time <laughs> I was told to. <laughs> I was like, I've been harbouring this deep dark secret. Yeah. Don't know what, I don't know what happens to those damn kids. Still <laughs> <laughs> haven't read it. I hate that book. Yeah, I mean, I think it was. Um, have you any of you read the Narnia Chronicles? No, I've seen the film. I've read a couple of them. Have you read, have you read the Horse and His Boy, Casey? No. Oh, okay, well then I can't. Well, basically, in The Horse and His Boy, C.S. Lewis like makes the point that, you know, no one wants to read essays, but they want to read stories. Mm. Mm. So we should teach people how to write stories or just let them read rather than teach people how to write essays. Yeah. Oh, true. I'm in complete agreement for this track. Hey, we, we're, a group, we're like in sync on the winner's chair. And we were, but I think that's just, continuation. That's because you're just quite elitist like I am, but yeah. <laughs> for once you've done something quite good for the people. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Casey, now you've had time to, to think. To put some I'm fucking not. effort in. This is my question. I'm going to yeah. call you negative five. <laughs> but I, I had an answer to this question from the start. Name, 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 name. It's all over here. Oh, I had, had an, oh, my, oh. <laughs> Why so yeah, mad, bro? I'm not really. My question was, what was your most embarrassing moment at school? I'm quite surprised you picked this one, Casey, because don't you just hate awkwardness? 
I do. I despise awkward. I love it. Oh, Jack, you know, I always, when we watch awkward things, I make you like go through the pain. You just have to keep watching. I hate it. I, I saw Casey it. shuddering and like hiding away, like kind of regressing into his own body. It's usually like a fairly like, Casey stands up fairly straight. He's got his like chest pumped out. He's like, he, he's quite, I don't know, alpha male about the way he looks, but I just saw him just slowly withering into his own person. Yeah. <laughs> Take the pain, feel it, it's good for you. <laughs> I mean, last week when I was telling him my travel story, he was just like, Oh God, that was horrible. Pain. That, was <laughs> that was torture. Oh. Right. Uh, anyway, sorry, Katie, for interrupting you. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's all right. Um, my, my, uh, this is something that haunts me to this day, and it's not even that bad, I don't think, except in my head it's horrific, and... I, every time I remember it, I I just feel like screaming and not like just somehow destroying that memory. But basically, <laughs> we were we were sort of encouraged to hold doors open for teachers at our school, weren't we? Yeah. It's just to be polite. Um, but anyway, you know when you open. Uh, you hold a door open for someone there's always that awkward thing where it's sort of in between you know being close enough to hold the door for them or them being too far and you not holding the door yes, yes, there's yes, a yes. line somewhere but it's not just not down yeah. you don't really know where that line is um, no one does no it's difficult but one time I I opened the door and I I always used to look behind. I still do. I always look behind me when I've opened a door to see if anybody else wants to come through. Um, and I looked behind and Herr Trevers, the German teacher, was miles away <laughs> <laughs> down this corridor. <laughs> and for some idiotic reason, I decided to hold the door open. <laughs> So there, it was this awkward sort of <laughs> he just, him walking at his normal pace towards this door. I think like when he got halfway there, he said, "Thanks, Casey." <laughs> and I was like, "It's all right." <laughs> and then when I thought he was near enough that he could catch the door, so it wouldn't it wouldn't close it on him, I sort of let go and walked off. But the door was weighted and it was a fire door, so he just slammed on it. That's amazing. That is amazing. I can actually is... picture you doing uh, it as well. Oh. <laughs> Does that hurt oh. you inside of this day, case? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> there is that invisible. Oh. <laughs> everyone, every, I think everyone in life is like, like let go of the door a bit too soon and the person's had to catch it but yeah. I don't think I don't think I've ever done it where I've had to wait like uh, like a genuinely noticeable amount of time but it's not even like you know you've waited too long both people know and they've said <laughs> i tell you what's even worse is when you have like a line of doors so because they so they open one for you you say yeah. thank you you come oh. to the second door. Yeah. you can like you have like a you have like a kind of you know jokey little smile it's like, ah, oh, this is really funny. There's like two doors in a row, and then it gets to like the third door. It's just like it's torture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to mix up what you like say. Opening doors for you, and you're just like walking in like begrudging silence to your doom. That's the um, if you get like three doors. The first one, you say they'll hold it, and you go thanks. And the second yeah. one, you lower your head slightly, and then when you like you you look up, make eye contact, you go cheers, cheers, cheers. Yeah. And then the third one, you just go thanks. <laughs> Where's into from into my uni, you have to go through. Hold on, one, two, three. To get to my lecture hall, you have to go through seven doors. Mm-hmm. So I decided to open every one for me. Which by the fifth one, I was like, oh my! God. I actually said to him, you know, I'm not going to say thank you every time. <laughs> Genius. Now, Jack, I'm looking forward to this because before Andy said that this was, this was awful. Oh, I'd, yeah, I'd, rep- I'd repress it on rages and actually like digging through like um, my childhood brain. Um, it's like, you know, that Simpsons episode where Homer finds a dead body mm-hmm. and he's rep- repressed it for like 30 years until that hypnotist finds it. And he, um, I mean, he's like, starts screaming for like three days. It's literally like that. It's probably not actually that bad, but it's just... <clears throat> <laughs> so it goes like quite a way back to um, year four when we were about nine or ten. 
and it wasn't it wasn't like one moment it was just a really embarrassing day um so there's this girl that i i'd really liked um pretty much since i met her um which is like back in year one year about year one or something like that when i was about seven and um but, you know i was really shy and so i hadn't like said anything to her but um <laughs> for some reason on this day i decided like i'd ask her out even though i'd pretty much never spoken to her before um, but I guess the other problem was at this time I was also really into Magic the Gathering, the um, the, ca- the card trading game, and um, this is kind of the, the root of the problem because so first I was walking into school with um, my friend Mark, and I was like showing him my deck, and basically these um, I guess the cool and, and popular kids kind of saw um, saw me doing this and so they spread this rumor that I liked Pokemon cards, and. Um, but I decided, like, in front of everyone to correct them <laughs> and, like, show, like, my Magic the Gathering cards, which um, took a bit of a popularity hit there. <laughs> but, so, I still decided, like, it'd been a shaky start, but I still decided that, you know, I was going to ask out this girl. So, I then I then decided that, like, a really great and, and romantic idea would be to leave a Magic card in her maths book. <laughs> I'm actually because, going red as I listen to this because I'm finding it that embarrassing. Because it, it was just because the artwork, I thought the artwork was really good. It's like so bad, and and the writing at the bottom of the card I thought was like really romantic, even though it was just. <laughs> so basically, she she picked it up and looked at it and like just had this really quizzical look because obviously she didn't know what it was. So she showed like all her friends. And then they show all her friends, and then like um, the the same guys earlier recognise what it was, and they're like, "Oh yeah, this is Jack." So I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> don't know what he's doing. And um, so they kept marking for me this, and it's still. I mean, it wasn't looking great, but I still decided to persevere because I don't know. I guess I was an idiot, and um, I can't. I can't carry on. Keep going. Keep going. I was enjoying it this much. It's gonna get. Uh, so, I, so I went to talk to her in the, at lunchtime, and um, I asked her out. And you know, she said no, quite obviously, but um, she was quite nice about it. And um, I walked away, and I was fine. But basically, um, that afternoon we had like DT, and um, I was sanding down some woodwork, and I got like sawdust in my eyes, which basically made me kind of tear up. But so basically, <laughs> everyone thought I'd started crying. Because I'd I'd asked out this girl and she rejected me or something like that. <laughs> so basically, like by the end of the day, I was known as this like trading card game playing geek who left like magic cards as a romantic guest gesture. And, you know, cries when he gets rejected by a girl. That is amazing. So, cumulative effect just made me. It was so bad. Nice. I mean, in the I mean, in the end, uh, no, I, I just can't. No, I can go uh, finish it. <laughs> You've got a girlfriend now, so you couldn't turn that up and get on with it. Yeah, but just I just remember, like, at the end of the day, just like because <laughs> obviously you know I'd had a really bad day. Um, I just like I couldn't face because everyone walked out at the same time. I just couldn't face walking out of everyone, so I decided to like hide under a load of coats in the cloakroom. <laughs> the girl who I asked out like picked up her coat, <laughs> and so I was just like lying there. Just like in a ball under her coat, and it was just I, just, I didn't say, just, I just, just ran as fast as I could. <laughs> My god, that's amazing! You are the singer, I literally love you. <laughs> I mean, basically, in the end, I did actually end up going out with this girl like a couple of years later, but uh, just that day was that is. Nothing I can say can be. Nothing is even going to come close. That's actually. Oh my god! Well, I know amazing. it's interesting that with with maturity, I think Jack. I don't think you'd take offence in me saying that even now you're not that cool in the stereotypical no, sense. There's, there's no there's no doubt in that. Um, nor are probably any of us. But I think we've certainly grown. We're just comfortable with who we are. Yeah, I think I think that's the yeah. difference. Whereas there's that awkwardness. So it's just. <laughs> That is, I literally love you. <laughs> snow that. It just snowballs. It always does. That is, uh, that is a horrible sequence of events. <laughs> <laughs> oh my 
good. I don't even know. Oh, I, I, can't be, I can't believe I've actually had to say that out loud. I just like kept that repressed for so long. <laughs> How did I never hear about this? I'm because that's what I, mean. I, just, I just kept it like deep down. <laughs> Oh dear lord, I need to take a moment and have a sip of beer. Whew. Right, I'll let you recover Jack and I'll tell a story. I am, um, my most embarrassing moment in school is much shorter and it is more entertaining, less embarrassing. I, uh, it was my first day of school and I was uh, five, four or five. And they had these, uh, in the toilets, they had this big block urinal rather than single ones. It was those those big wall-mounted metal metal fuckers. And uh, I walk in, and it's it's the beginning of break, so everyone's in there, everyone's lined up. And you're all little kids, so rather than... You'd have three blokes who have the unspoken etiquette of if there's three of you, one of you go in the, in the closed cubicle and two of you go right at the end, so as far as possible. When you're a little kid, yeah. that doesn't happen. So it's like pigs going for a trough full of food when you're little. Um, so there's like eight kids... <laughs> This one, urinal, all of varying ages. I think there are uh, two or three year sixes there. So obviously I don't want to look too much of a dick. I wander straight up to this urinal thinking, all right, it's all right, I'd have to be embarrassed in front of this lot. And it's just, I just undid my trousers and just dropped them to my ankles. <laughs> and then just pulled my pants all the way down to my ankles as well. And uh, started taking a piss. <laughs> All these kids are just starting laughing at me. They were all fucking midstream as well, just absolutely cracking up in my face. And I didn't know what I didn't. I didn't even realise I did anything wrong. Uh, my brain didn't like put together that none of their trousers were like around their ankles. I just thought I was doing this. Uh, I didn't even. I thought I figured I must have been to a urinal at some point before that. But obviously I hadn't. Um, and I was I was ridiculed for a, a small amount of time before everyone forgot. But um, that stuck with me. But interestingly, these days I very, very rarely just unzip my flies and go for a go for a wee. I um I, I go for the full unbutton and the fold out. So uh, I've I've kind of regressed back to that now, mm. like a uh, halfway out. You don't just um you don't take them off completely. No, I do. Sometimes if I'm having a if I'm yeah no, sometimes if I'm having a shit, I'll um I'll uh I'll I'll lower my trousers. That's quite nice. There's, there's nothing like it. Man. No, it's just a treat. You've got to use it as a treat. Like, use it sparingly because it's powerful. That's what I was going to ask you, Casey. Did you try wiping your bum the other way? No, no. What? I haven't actually. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, uh, no, sorry. I, I, I thought you originally meant standing up. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> I understand now that you mean from back to front. Yes. Um, no, I haven't tried it. I want my bum standing up. There's I'm sure it. it's better than standing up, though. No, I want my bum standing up. There's no wrong with it. Yeah, because you're a creep. <laughs> <laughs> this is about this is about to go out to the nation, Jamie. That's fine. No, I'm proud of it. I don't care. That's fine. I stand up to all the What's wrong with that? It's weird. It's not weird. Stretch your legs. It's weird. Jack, it's... Jack, do you wipe your bum standing up? Well, no, but I'm, I'm sure there's probably more than one person who does. Well, I don't know anybody else who does. Yeah, but who's ever asked? It's like mushing your cheeks together and creating more mess to wipe up. I don't take sloppy shits, mate. Mine are like bricked or boom, like that, coming straight out. Well, no. The only other story I, I could think of wasn't to do with me, it was to do with someone else. I was uh, in year nine at school and uh, I walked past the toilet block and a kid came running out, kid my ear came running out absolutely in hysterics, like on the verge of tears. And I went, What what is it? And he um, he said, like, come with me, follow me. So I went to the toilet with him, which is a bit weird, but it, it turned out not to be. And there was no one in there. There's no any of the urinals. And uh, there were three cubicles, two had the doors open, one had the door closed. No one in there and all you could hear and I swear to God, this is it's one of the most painful noises I've ever heard. This is all you could hear. <laughs> and he'd been in there for like five minutes already and it was I don't think I've ever had to stifle a laugh as hard as that in my life because I just felt really bad so I just wandered outside and just absolutely wet myself <laughs> I just can't believe you would be you would be that constipated and that you would push that hard you're going to do yourself such an injury it's amazing oh my god oh that's so brutal 
just that much. That much I remember um, there was one from, it was like a year reception or something like that. And um, we were going to do, we had like an unscheduled PE lesson. So basically the PE teacher, which actually sounds weird now I say it, just made us strip our pants and t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I think basically one of the guys in our class didn't get the right idea. So when he just said like unscheduled P lesson, like um, just stripped down, he literally just got naked in the school hall. <laughs> and it was bizarre because everyone was sitting on the floor in like pants and uh, t-shirt. But he'd obviously just like turned his back and just got undressed really fast and turned around and realised what happened. So he was just sat like 10 metres away from the group on a bench, just naked with his legs crossed. <laughs> <laughs> this really awkward look on his face. <laughs> so, should we decide winners and losers? Yeah, I think it's going to be a yeah. tough one. I think most embarrassing moment at school is just no way anyone beats you, Joe. Yeah, yeah, that is. I brought, I brought out the big guns. Honestly, it's hands yeah, down one of the best answers I think we've ever had. It's incredible. Um, if you could teach one thing to anyone, I actually quite like yours, Jack, because it was really sensible. Yeah. I know, I love winners, Jack. What do you reckon, Casey? Because we really, we really expanded on winners' chair, and we got we got deep into it. <laughs> we did, but I just I, I mean I it got a little bit sadistic, but in case you need the casting vote, because you think winners' right. chair, and I think I think winners' chair might just have that one. All right, and um, uh, anyone as a teacher, I think you win that, Jack. Over uh, yeah, you won that one definitely. So that's two one, mate. So I think you um, sweep it this week. Ah, nice. You have another victory on the uh, on the old points cup. Oh, it cost it me a lot. It cost me dearly. Yeah, it did. I, like, I, I, just, I had to sell a bit of my soul that I didn't even know I had. <laughs> um, topic for next week. Has anyone got any ideas? Um, it's not my turn. Is, is it my turn? I think it is, mate. Yeah, because you had um, travel in case you had education. Mm. All right, well, I will bruise upon the matter and get back to you. Okay. Um... Are you getting back to us now? Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Okay. Oh, my balls. How about gardening, Jack? <laughs> Fucking look. How about the internet? Okay. Uh-huh. Right. So, topic for next week will be the internet. That could get seriously weird. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be a dangerous one. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening to Dump the Magic Able. We'll see you next week.